Welcome to the Insomnia Coach Podcast. My name is Martin Reed. I believe that by changing how we respond to insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it, we can move away from struggling with insomnia and toward living the life we want to live. The content of this podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not medical advice and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, disorder, or medical condition. It should never replace any advice given to you by your physician or any other licensed healthcare provider. Insomnia Coach LLC offers coaching services only and does not provide therapy, counseling, medical advice, or medical treatment. The statements and opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily endorsed by Insomnia Coach LLC. All content is provided as is and without warranties, either express or implied. Nick's insomnia journey began in 2000 when he relocated and started a new job. Stress, uncertainty and anxiety took over his life as he found that the more he tried to fight or avoid his thoughts, the more powerful they became. Nick felt helpless. He didn't know how to deal with the difficult thoughts and feelings he was experiencing, and he didn't know how to improve his sleep. The more he tried, the more he struggled. In this episode, Nick shares how he adopted a new approach to dealing with difficult thoughts and feelings. Instead of trying to control them, he began to acknowledge them and make space for them. Instead of fighting with them and getting distracted by them, he validated them and then redirected his attention on actions that would help him move toward the life he wanted to live. Nick practiced kindly bringing his mind back to the present moment whenever it started to time travel. He began to notice and savour all the things he was missing out on when he found himself running on autopilot. He started to focus on living a life aligned with his values, doing things that were important to him, even after difficult nights and even in the presence of uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. Today, Nick has a different and more workable relationship with sleep and the full range of thoughts and feelings he experiences as a human being. He is no longer haunted by sleep. He sees sleep as part of his life, but not his entire life. A full transcript of this podcast and an accompanying video can be found at insomniacoach.com forward slash podcast. Hi, Nick. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. Hi, Martin. It's really lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. I can't wait to get onto our discussion. So let's just get started right away. Um, when did your sleep problems first begin? And what do you think caused those initial issues with sleep? It's lovely when you've got hindsight, isn't it? I um, can, can look back and uh, around about 2000, the year 2000, um, I, I moved state and uh, started to, to, to live in a new, a new city and a, a new situation. And, um, and at the time, I would have told you that I was anxious about starting a new job. And, uh, but looking back, I can see that it was yeah partly a situational crisis of just uncertainty, unknowing. Mm. Uh, but actually, when I look back, it's no, that was a big kind of life change as well. That was a big shift in direction. And I guess what I would, how I would answer that question now would be that well, it, partly it's to do with in kind of daily stress reaching a certain level, where on which I wasn't really dealing with. But the other side of that was a sense of not being sure whether I was heading in the right direction mm. with the decision that I'd made about, yeah. you know, moving to another place. So that, that's a kind of slightly bigger picture uh, concern or, or uncertainty. And, mm. and I think the other thing was that having done the course 
with you. It, looking back, it's a really interesting question because it, it shows me that I actually I didn't know a lot about what to do when my sleep was being disturbed by the things that you know happened to us in our life. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I can see now that I didn't have a great ability to um, respond to the needs that I had at the time. So talking about that, you know, that response, because I think yeah. most of us can ex can recognize there are always going to be some times in our life when we have some difficult nights, right? Especially if there's a big life change going on or if something unusual or stressful happens in our lives. And normally sleep will just kind of get right back on track as soon as we've adapted or as soon as that event is behind us. Yeah. But often, you know, as you've experienced yourself, those sleep problems can stick around. So looking back, um, what was it you think that kept those sleep issues around? Why didn't they kind of just sort themselves out after that life change that you just described had occurred? Partly, I think we, uh, they, they, they kept going. They, they, they resolved in about 2007. So I'd say there was a bit about a seven-year period there where the sleep mm -hmm. was uh, a, a really unknown prospect for me, where I, I just lost confidence. So it's partly about losing confidence in my ability to do something which had never really been a preoccupation of mine up until that time. And so the changes kind of kept coming throughout that period. I, I relocated again several times in that period. And, um, and I, I think so that constant kind of trying to define and, and I mean, that's a, this is a period of young adulthood. And so that in itself was maybe partly about a life cycle. Uh, issue that it just it just took time to find my way and my place in the world uh, and but I think more than anything because a lot of people have to find their way in the world right not everyone is having sleep issues yeah. so to me then I look back and I go well actually yeah lack of confidence was a huge one and just lack of insight about what it is that keeps things going. So I just developed really probably quite unhelpful ways of responding to the way my brain, you know, we talk about in your course, you talk about operant conditioning and you talk about the way that our brain is kind of wired to, to foresee threats and dangers mm -hmm. and to kind of highlight those and bring those to your attention. So I really didn't have a very good way of responding to that. You know, I felt really kind of trapped by those thoughts. I felt really kind of uh, when they appeared, they they kind of just took over. That was the agenda. And um, yeah. I, I didn't have really any ways to kind of unhook from that. Mm. And then I thought I could control my thoughts and my feelings. You know, I thought that was the way to go, try and kind of uh, distance myself from, distract myself from the things that were going on inside of me. And so therefore, inevitably, of course, nothing seemed to get resolved. It seems kind of pretty straightforward now, doesn't it, when you say it like that. But at the time, I, I just remember being so confused by the whole process. Yeah. And therefore, it, it just kept kind of rolling and taking on its own life. And then you get, you get, you know, anxiety becomes then anxiety about anxiety and you know it's the hall of mirrors isn't it you, you kind of yeah. get this kind of bigger uh response oh my god i got these these feelings of anxiety I, I start to associate bedtime with this kind of sense of uncertainty and lack of confidence and then from there it builds to you know uh, a thought process that kind of kicks in where you start to just become hyper alert but not necessarily attentive to the thought processes that are keeping that going. Yeah. You're not able to necessarily notice what's happening, You're just kind of in it. It's a very, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a very confusing kind of space to kind of be. It's a bit of a labyrinth, isn't it? It's probably a good word for it, really. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. So, but, but when you were kind of trapped in that struggle, um yeah. what what were those nights like like what was there like a typical night or would you like have trouble like just first falling asleep or was it staying yeah, asleep yeah. or was just every night different and all to put just always a struggle 
yeah, uh, look, it, it was a it was a war of attrition. I, I think you know, like you can you can keep going and going, and it's amazing how far you can go without sleep. Really, how far you can kind of push yourself, but of course, then you kind of collapse into this kind of sleep. It it takes over eventually. But this, it's a good word for it, struggle, because it was. It really felt like those nights just ended up being a struggle. First, it would start off with a kind of uh, benign acceptance that mm, maybe it'll come, maybe it won't. Uh, and then, you know, you hear a, a partner sleeping or, you know, you start to get envious. You, you, you kick off, your, your mind starts kind of running along these paths of, well, why is it not me, you know, and what is it about me? You get a bit preoccupied, very much preoccupied and self-centric, I, I think, those kind of interior mm. thought processes, um, it would be very much about not getting to sleep and then ramping up and then not sleeping and then becoming, oh, well, you know, the time, the one thing I don't want to hear is the birds, right, before the sun rises. The one thing I don't want to see is the sun, and, of course, that's exactly what would happen, right? The birds mm. would come and they would become, you know, instead of sweet-sounding, you know, harbingers of a beautiful new day, they become these kind of awesome spectre of, 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 of the, the, the drudgery that I'd have to force myself through the next day, right? So, so I, I, I just became very cued to those things and, and, and quite demoralised and dispirited. So those, by, 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 by dawn, you know, I was exhausted. I had I had mentally fought my way and tried to kind of control myself. I'd be angry, um, uh, 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 full of self pity, uh, definitely um, uh, confused, and 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 a source of distress for people around me too. Right? Who could see me in 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 obvious distress, and and they really couldn't do anything to help me. And I didn't really know how to help myself either, really. I just felt very, um, yeah, helpless in that. Yeah. Yeah. So those, those nights, and, and they would come, there would be a run of them, and then maybe it would settle down. And uh, there would usually be some kind of anticipatory trigger. If it wasn't, I'm not going to go to sleep, it might be, oh, gee, I've got to get up early in the morning. That's a classic mm. one, isn't it? I've got to get up early in the morning. Oh, I hope... I hope I get to sleep because I, I really wouldn't like to not get to sleep. And and yeah. on it goes, right, the, 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 this kind of self-talk and this self-worry and, and, oh, shit, you know, it didn't happen before and maybe it's going to happen again. Oh. So, yeah, that, that, that's a typical kind of pattern for me Yeah, at that time, right, yeah. right through, and then it would settle and then maybe something, another change would come in life and uh, at 2007, another shift, you know, um, uh, and 2010, you know, there were periods where it would lull for a little while, and then it's like, oh my God, it's come back. Oh, I thought I'd, I thought I'd left these things behind, and here they are again, coming to haunt me. You know, mm -hmm. and that was even it would get even worse then, because like, oh my God, I'm never going to be free of this. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think it's interesting as well how, like I touched upon earlier. <clears throat> tends to start with like this trigger, right? So there's this trigger of like a life change or relocating, for example. Um, yeah. And that becomes all our concern around that. It kind of manifests this, the symptom becomes difficult nights of sleep, but then yeah. sometimes it can kind of morph into then your concern isn't about whatever that trigger was. So for example, you're not really concerned about the relocation anymore because either you've just kind of adapted to it's happening or it's already happened. Then the concern becomes, am I going to sleep tonight? Is this mm. sleep problem going to go away? How long is it going to take me to fall asleep? Why am I not falling asleep yet? What, what's going to happen if I don't get any sleep? So it kind of shifts, right? The concern was once on that trigger for insomnia, mm. but when that trigger's disappeared, the concern is still there. But the concern now moves on solely to sleep. And I think that's where we get caught up in that struggle. Mm. No, I agree with you. I think it really takes on a life of its own, which yeah. is even scarier, really, when you realise that. You know, you go, oh, my God, it's just, you think you think it's related to if I just fix things in my life, you know. And then you're oh, but why is it still here? Yeah, exactly. It, it, and our brains are really adaptable, aren't they? You know, they're really absorbent and they you know, take yeah. account of so many things. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think you've described that very well. 
Yeah. Definitely. Well, you know, our brain, what, what's our brain's number one job is to look out for us, right? So it's always going to be mm. monitoring for threats. And as soon as it kind of detects a slight hint of a threat, it's going to amplify it and amplify it and amplify it. And because often when the brain identifies a threat, we don't feel good, you know, whether mm. it's that fight or flight response uh, or mm. some anxiety or stress, because it doesn't feel good. Normally we want to kind of avoid it, right? Or push it mm. away or suppress it. And then the brain's like, there's this threat, and now you're ignoring me. So what does the brain do? It's got to yell louder and louder and louder. And that's when, you know, we get really tangled up um, in that struggle and through no fault of our own because it's just our normal human response. We don't want to feel that way. Mm. But the brain thinks it's being ignored, so it just yells harder and harder. And so then we try harder and harder to push it away. It's kind of like a tug of war. Um, the more we're trying, um, the more difficult it becomes, you know, the more fatigued we feel, all those symptoms that we mm. associate with insomnia is often down to that struggle, that battle yeah. with sleep itself, wakefulness, and how we're feeling. I think you captured that really well. Mm. Oh, thank you. Um, I mm. think people that have never struggled with insomnia really also don't recognize that it's not just a nighttime issue, right? It's something that carries we carry during the day as well whether it's through mm. how we feel or through all the stuff that's going through our head or even mm. how that influences the things we do um our actions and our behaviors yes. um how are you finding that sleep whether it was because you had difficult nights or just all that mental chatter about mm. what if how are mm. you finding that that was affecting your days it, it was having a very significant effect on my days because it, you know you 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 know that you could be having a very different kind of day if you'd slept. So this, this comparison point between the Nick that sleeps and the Nick that doesn't sleep is just so kind of present in every, in every kind of part of that day. And you just learn, though, you learn to find resources. So on the one side of it, you know, it, it, it is a very, you've got the handbrake on and you just can't seem to figure out how to get the handbrake off. You just, but you know, you've got to push through. So I, 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 you know, some days I would actually not turn up to work. You know, I would just stay at home and just be, feel quite useless mm. and, uh, and do very little and just wait helplessly for the, for the, for the night to come, right, and, and, and realising that I'd really never got any solution. Other times I'd just push through, go, go to work, um, get through the day, feel exhausted, feel numb. You know, you kind of, you, your body just becomes so over-driven and over-aroused and, and that, that, you know, your, your body systems, you know that they're in high, high alert, you know, you your stomach's not functioning well and and your brain is just feeling so tired and, and it's just been going on and on and around and around and around. And you just have a sense that this is not the life that I know that I can live, mm. but I don't quite know how to get to the promised land. I, I don't know really how to get out of this labyrinth that, 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 that you described before and, you know, the way my mind is just seems to be telling me about all these alarms and alerts and it seems to be going off and off and off. And, but, but, but I know logically, I know that I, I, I really didn't need to not sleep that night. The things that I was worried about happening the next day, sometimes they didn't even occur. Sometimes they happened, but they didn't, they weren't bad. So I, I, I know that I was talking myself into a into an unnecessary state of arousal. I, I know I was elevated in the night, and I would look back and go, "Well, why, 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 why do I do that? What, what, what is the reason? What is the purpose? How, how can I be, you know, really that um, that keyed up that that I don't sleep?" So I, I, I would come out of it with a kind of self crit. There would be this kind of self criticism. Mm. in the back of my mind during the day yeah. why Nick you know how you know what is wrong with you maybe there's something wrong with you you know it, it, it does gee Martin why do we have a brain really honestly <laughs> I know you've explained it but gee it does yeah. play havoc in a in a world where you really feel like you've got to fit into a nine to five kind of structure or you've got mm. you know and and structures I, I love routines and I love structures now and and um, and I don't struggle with them half as so much as I did then. 
and that it does make it very hard to fit into a, a routine life. But ironically, you know, that's a bit of a saviour too. You know, you just get up those days, you haven't slept, and, well, I'm just going to follow the the pattern. I'm just going to yeah. go and do what I have to do. I may not be 100% around it. It might be pretty average. Yeah. But often that's probably an internal perception. Externally, people may not know. And that's the other thing I didn't know what to do about in the day when I was really deep in the sleep problems is what to do about talking about it. I didn't talk about it much. Uh, maybe an admission of weakness or, or dysfunction or, you know, it may be projected an, an image of myself that I didn't like. So there was a sense of shame around it. So I didn't talk about it openly. But when I did, you know, you would find that lots of people get affected by sleep. Um, and lots of people have, have, have sleep that is probably less than ideal to them. Um, and I think a lot of those conversations weren't very helpful to me either because they didn't really know what the answers were either, right? Mm -hmm. So so talking about it wasn't particularly helpful and, and, and there were lots of well-meaning people that would give me lots of suggestions that didn't seem to kind of work. And and in the end, I just, I, I actually just didn't talk about it really with anyone. Yeah. And then it becomes very private and very internal and, and, and in a way, strangely isolating and a bit of a lonely yeah. space. Yeah, yeah. And that's why it's been really nice about coming across you know, this whole phenomenon of sleep coaching. And, you know, I don't know if that's more recent, but, you know, and boy, it would have been very useful to get that much earlier on in my life, mm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very constructive kind of way of talking about sleep, I think. Yeah. I think it also you touched upon a really good point about how very few of us talk about our struggles, right? Um, so just to use, for example, social networking as an example, everything we see on social media, like on Facebook, on Instagram, everyone's always like really happy. They're like on vacation, they're happy families, they're doing things that look really exciting and enjoyable. We never see any of the struggle, right? It's always kind of filtered out. So whenever mm. we are struggling, which is a normal part of being a human being, we mm. kind of feel there's something wrong. Whereas... Mm. What would probably be more wrong would just be living a life where we're happy and fulfilled 100% of the time and never ever feeling any kind of pain or any kind of struggle or any kind of anxiety or stress or worry. Um, mm. That's all kind of filtered away from us. So it can really turn ourselves inwards thinking there is something wrong. Why aren't we feeling this way? Why aren't we feeling as good as everyone else? Why are we struggling? Mm. When the truth is everyone out there is struggling. It's just we're all hiding it from one another. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we do. We, we have these things very privately. and But as well, in addition to that, I think you're right, in addition to that is we don't necessarily know how to respond to people's problems either. Mm. And and when when I would open up, you know, the m most common response would be a problem-solving kind of response. Yeah. And what I valued about coming in contact with, with with your program and the way you run that program is what's really evident in the way you talk about people's experiences that you validate them. You, you validate what's going on for them. You don't try and focus on the outcome and the guarantee, do this and you'll have that. And, and you know, and it's not all, it's not a problem-solving approach so much as it's one about understanding and it's one about uh, validating and understanding what's actually happening for people and then working from that spot, which takes a lot of that pressure off, right, because it's the pressure that we build mm. internally in our minds and, and the expectations that you're right. We have these expectations about how we should look, behave, feel, be, and experience life that come to us from so many different places. And we want that, right? They're very inspiring kind of images. And um, and I think my expectations around wanting to be the perfect sleeper were very much a part of that too. I don't think I was any different. But I did yeah. really respond to the validation that comes through the way you communicate with your with your audience. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, the reason why I, why that's important to me is because 
all these things we're feeling, all these struggles that we're struggling with, all the challenges we face, they're real. And yeah. so why would we try to deny that? Why, why, why encourage getting wrapped up in trying to fight that? You know, it makes sense that we would want to fight it, but it would be a losing battle because we just can't control what's going on inside of us. You know, anything, all of our thoughts and our feelings, we can't control that. We can temporarily maybe feel better, you know, temporarily. You know, some people might take a couple of drinks, temporarily feel better, for example. But over the long term, we just can't control how we feel. Um, mm. So why try and get, it's just one extra struggle that we're just going to be involving ourselves in. And we're all human beings, so we're all going to feel and experience the full range of human emotions throughout our life. We get, some of them are going to make us feel good. Some are not going to make us feel good. Um, mm. Sometimes just acknowledging what we're feeling can just be so helpful, not trying to push it away, not trying to deny it. Um, just acknowledging what we're feeling is real because it is. Um, mm. But then maybe just exploring our relationship with those thoughts and those feelings. So instead of just by default, which is human nature, trying to push them away when they don't feel good, maybe just making a little bit of space for them, you know, allowing them to come and go as they please. And even whilst they're there, doing things that are important to us and that truly are going to have a very real influence on the kind of life we live. You know, if we do things that are important to us, even when all that stuff is sitting inside of our brain, because we always have control over our actions, but we never really have control over what's going on inside our brains in terms of what it's thinking, what it's feeling. Mm. No, well said. I, I think that, that, that probably is the heart of CBTI. I think the, tr the traditional cognitive side of the CBT model is all about how accurate are these thoughts that I'm having? Maybe there's a more accurate way of thinking and maybe trying to change those thoughts from one type of thought that might not be very accurate or helpful to a thought that is more accurate and maybe more helpful. Um, but I'm increasingly believing that we don't even need to get tangled up there. We just need to acknowledge what that thought, what those thoughts and feelings are that we're having, mm. allow them to exist. We don't have to evaluate them. We don't have to get caught up in them. We just need mm. to acknowledge them that they're there. Mm. Um, if we do have to take action, you know, oh, the kitchen's on fire. Well, yeah, we don't just want that to sit in the back of our mind and let the kitchen burn down. There's some stuff that we do have to take action on. But if it's other things like I'm going to, I'm going to be exhausted tomorrow. Um, I'm not going to be able to meet up with my friends tonight. Maybe we just make some space for those thoughts to exist and then go about our actions anyway, regardless, mm -hmm. you know, choosing to do things that are important to us, even in the presence of all that really difficult stuff going on inside our minds. Yeah, I, I, you know, when you say that, I, 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 can, I, I can definitely look back and I can go, wow, I wasn't doing any of that. You know, I, I, was, I was just really focused on trying to kind of push the, the feeling of anxiety away from myself, you know, is uh, try and uh, to suppress it, try and um, uh, very ineffectively, but, you know, try and somehow distract myself from, from the thinking that was going along. So I would, you know, um, at times, especially when I was doing your, your program, wake up in the night and I wasn't even sure whether I'd been asleep or not. And so the mind, oh, oh, I probably didn't fall asleep. Oh, gee, I don't, you know, you, really, it starts all kicking in again, right? This programming, it's like this all this all this old programming is just kind of like ready and waiting to go. And now I can see that you're right. If I make space for things, if I just allow and have a bit more of a self-validating response, and I just kind of acknowledge that, you know, yeah. I notice there's that thought again, or there's that kind of that narrative, or there's that story, or there's those feelings, there are those sensations. If I were to probably just make some space for them, that would have been heading in a better direction and a, and a more fruitful direction than panicking about them. Because I think that's one of the things that I learned coming out of this program was that you can you say about focus on behavior because that's what you can control uh and 
when I, you, when you're in that labyrinth of that sleep confusion and that, that sleeplessness, and when it really seems to be dragging you along, a lot of what motivates your behavior is fear, anxiety, and and you and you're right. We're kind of focused on the outcome, not so much the process, the way that we get from A to B. It just becomes all about well, what if I don't get to B? You know, mm-hmm. and. And so there's a real imbalance there. And what I find that you have on the one side, those fears and anxieties that kind of motivate behavior. But on the other side, I guess what, what this program that you deliver, what I, what I participated in, really got me to kind of understand that there is another motivation for behavior, and that's values. That's the things that we stand for. Those are the things that are important to us. And at the end of the day, yeah, we do have the option of, 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 of sitting there and giving up. But if we're not going to just sit there and give up and we can't just you know, sit there and give up forever, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to kind of stand for something. You know, looking back, anyone who goes and seeks out information to try and resolve their situation, make improve their sleep better. Uh, anyone who decides to kind of sign up to a course and a program and see it through is really standing for something, really, aren't they? They're, you know, they're, they're, they're making a statement around their values and what's important to them, that their health and that their well-being is important to them or that the impact of what this is doing to other people is important to them or the sense of... Um, what they want to have in their lives is important to them. And, and, and so in your in the sleep diary, so to speak, you know, you really talk about what have you done in the day? You know, what is it that you valued about doing in the day? What did you enjoy about the day? You know, rate your day, you know, the quality of your day and what gave it that quality. I mean, that is about connecting with what's important to you, right? And that's a different motivation for behaviour that is qualitatively very different from the fight-flight stuff that you seem to be talking about with the brain, the way the brain's looking always cued for, for danger and keeping us safe and, and, and alerting us and remembering things that maybe felt unpleasant or uncomfortable that we don't want to have to go through again, uh, which is really important, but it seems to just take over. It just seems to have the lion's share of headspace, you know, mm-hmm. and then quietly right in the corner this little little kind of values voice you know that's being kind of drowned out all the time by these kind of sirens and 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 firemen running in and you know the whole bit and and uh that that was a significant kind of moment of awareness for me and a a relief to be honest with you because it's pretty stressful having a brain that's just always kind of geared and chattering and, and, and anxious, you know, like the overbearing, anxious friend, you yeah. know, who really wants the best for you. But, boy, how annoying, you know. It's like, mm, you just want a bit of a break. So the sleep diary was fascinating because I thought the sleep diary was going to be a trigger for me and make things worse for my sleep. And it did. It did. My brain initially, I just focused on on the stats and the numbers and whether or not, you know, and was it going to be another crap you know, reporting day of no sleep, and 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 it was, and my, I, I, you know, I felt like the training wheels came off, and boom, the bike crashed, and you know, I, I crashed. First couple of weeks was worse on the program than before. How is this? You know, oh my god, catastrophizing again. Uh, but surely, but sh- surely, you know, the the doing the sleep diary when I actually started to understand about just focusing on what I can control in my behaviour and focusing on behaviour that is directed towards doing things in the day that mean something, that are important, making space for that, making time for that. I didn't see the link initially. I thought, well, what's the connection? You know, I'm trying to sleep here, Martin. I'm trying to sleep and you're getting me to kind of focus on what I've done in the day that I enjoyed, you know, great. Yeah, that's excellent. All right. 
but really when I see it, it's creating space in my mind for it. it, it's, it's about shifting the balance, isn't it? It's about, it seems to me anyway, about really balancing the scales again and, and getting back in touch with that sense of personal direction about what's important uh, and about, well, sleep will just look after itself. Yeah. I just yeah. focus on doing something with my life, right? So not uh, sitting there and doing nothing because that wasn't helping. It's understandable. You can feel you can feel absolutely lost in it and it's really understandable to just give up for periods of time. But it's just not a sustainable long-term option. So so that was very very helpful making that little connection mm. that you're talking about. Focus on your behaviors, make space for the feelings and thoughts as they come and go. Allow them to, don't try and control them, but focus on something that's, 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 that's worth your time, worth your effort. And I, yeah. I, I found, so I found the sleep diary structure really helpful for that. I'm not sure if that's what the intention was with that sleep diary. Maybe it was also to help you get a sense of what's going on for me. But uh, that was certainly one very beneficial yeah. strategy. Yeah. I love how you talk about values, you know, just because really they're the key to the kind of life we live, you know, um, that we can still move towards our values, even when we're really caught up in a lot of struggle. Um, mm -hmm. And the the interesting thing or the important thing, I think, to emphasize with values is we never accomplish them. They're just a journey that we always move toward. And on that journey, there are going to be ups and downs. Um, sometimes we'll move towards that value. Sometimes we might move away from that value. Sometimes we might focus on a different value. We never accomplish our values. We can only ever just keep moving toward them. And as long as we do, sometimes it requires a lot of effort, but as long as we do keep moving towards those values, we're always going to be moving toward the kind of life we want to live. And I think that's really all that we can do as human beings. That's the only thing we can control is our actions that move us toward. We can never get to that destination. We can only move toward it. Mm. And listening to you say that reminds me that, um, you know, we, we, we don't always spend a lot of time in our daily lives consciously reflecting on our values. Yeah. And you know, we, 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 well, at times, especially probably I would say times when my sleep's not so great, it would be more characterised by being really focused on tasks and um, or being very overwhelmed by demand or, you know, or the struggles and the problems that go on in, 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 in life and, and even seeking pleasure and enjoying things. Um, and what you say makes complete sense but not necessarily something that I would carry, would have carried around consciously prior. And I think that's something that the sleep diary is helpful for because it's a, it's an, it's a concrete thing, you know, it's there in front of you. It's kind of evidence in a way and that this is what's actually happening for you, which is different for what your mind might be constantly telling you about your sleep, you know, amplifies it and it really does tend to, you know, when I don't sleep well, I tend to exaggerate a lot and uh, everything becomes really much more over the top and I speak in much more categorical terms about how bad everything is. And it overshadows things. So when you've got this structure there, when you've got this sleep diary there, it's, it's, it's really just there quietly sitting there pointing things out to you. So there are potentials there for reflecting around values, right, because you, you've asked me to rate the quality of my day and you've asked me to note down the things that I did that, you know, were important to me or that felt good or that, you know, were, were memorable in a, in a positive way. That's a point of reflection. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it also can, I like how you touched upon, you know, this just shows you what the situation is. You know, and it might be difficult. You might have had some difficult nights and you've maybe written that down on, on your sleep diary. Um, we're not trying to get away from that. You know, you've had some difficult nights. What we're really trying to do is 
recognize that's happening, you know, not trying to sugarcoat it. If you had a difficult night, you had a difficult night. Mm. But is it still possible to do things during the day? They don't have to be huge monumental things, but is it possible to just do some things that are aligned with your values that do help you live the kind of life you want to live independently of how you slept and independently of all the stuff that might be going on in your brain after those difficult nights too? Mm. Mm. And that's the thing, isn't it? I, I, I guess there is a there's an encouragement implicit in the program that it is possible to do that. It is possible to actually not have slept, but still, still do things that you enjoy, or still at least savor one or two of those moments in the day. Even if it is yeah. just when you're doing your sleep diary and you're going, oh yeah, well I did that. And that was, you know, I actually didn't mind riding my bike into work. That was the sun, you know. So there is a mm. sense that you can savor something yeah. implicit um, in a way. I love that word savor because so much of our lives, whether we've got insomnia or not, so much of our lives are on autopilot, you know, and we mm. just miss so much of everything that's going on around us. You know, if we just can slow some of these things down a little bit and just if we can notice when we are on autopilot and just bring ourselves back a little bit more to the present moment it's kind of amazing all the stuff we miss out on you know and it it, it sounds really kind of minor but even just something like making a cup of tea or washing the dishes you know it's like oh gotta wash these dishes now and you're just kind of lathering up the sponge scraping off all the plates and stuff yeah. And if you just kind of bring yourself back, you're thinking of all the other things you got to do. But if you just bring yourself to the present, it's actually pretty cool. You know, we turn on a tap, this hot water comes out on demand. You know, we've got all these different sensations coming off of our skin. There's all these different light patterns reflecting off the plate. There's all these mm -hmm. bubbles just floating all over the place. And, you know, it's not life-changing to wash the dishes. I'm not, I'm not trying to say it is, but... We miss out on so much when we're just not present on all the stuff we're doing during the day. You know, our mind just wanders. We just do things on autopilot and we miss out on so much. So sometimes just telling ourselves, I'm going to savor more, you know, do some more savoring during the day. Um, it can really kind of just open us up to more of the good stuff that's around us and more of the stuff that we can be appreciative of too, I think. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. The thing, all those things are there. One of the one of the memorable kind of feelings you asked me about, you know, how is it when you're day and you haven't slept? And it definitely comes to mind that, that it, it's the difference is it's just hard to feel. Sometimes you just don't feel. You're like, yeah, you're doing the dishes and. And and it is a it's a savior in a way to have those little moments and to kind of focus on that. I think that so often when we are having troubles sleeping, when I've had trouble sleeping, you know, there is a sense I want to fix it, that I want to solve it, that I can do something and uh, and take a pill or, or drink alcohol or go shiatsu, acupuncture, put a hot water bottle on my head, hide up in a little hole. You know, so many things I try and do to fix sleep as a problem. Whereas your example, it helped, uh, I guess it connects to something that I learned, which was that actually it's reframing. It's not so much a fix as it's a noticing. It's about, it's as much about just becoming aware of other things other mm -hmm. than your preoccupations. Uh, it's about being connected to the present as opposed to being always preoccupied with the past or the future, which is kind of where the sleep problems kind of sit, right? They're always in the past or they're always in the future and we're living it out in the present, but our minds are somewhere other than here and we're not taking in what you were just talking about around that, that example of a household task. So the power of the program, I think, is partly about trying to get us to reframe and the very counterintuitive response that we have to actually uh, where we want to fix a problem to actually not be so focused on fixing a problem but become aware of noticing things, mm -hmm. noticing what's going on with your mind and learning about, you know, you teach about sleep and the cycles of sleep and you teach about 
what we know, you know, about sleep. And you also, you know, teach us structure and strategies and, 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 and teach us to focus on being aware, noticing. Mm-hmm. And that is, again, like values. It, it's, it's, it's a different kind of way of responding, isn't it? It, it feels more relaxing. It feels much more relaxing to be noticing. Yeah, I think it's definitely more relaxing than being engaged in that battle, you know, donning yeah. the suit of armor and just trying to fight everything that's going on inside of us. It, it, it takes away your confidence and it's just so debilitating on so many levels when you're trying to battle with yeah. the way mind, the way my mind behaves, you know. Um, so hearing your validations when you you know go through each week and you you give a introduction to each week and really validate the struggle but at the same time invite us to do something different about it Hmm. that's really helpful actually because it does just kind of relax you know it's ironic isn't it that you'd need to relax to get out of a situation Hmm. when you feel like you you need to kind of fix it and battle with it, you know. But ultimately, it it, it, it doesn't help. It's never helped yeah. me, really. Not when it comes to yeah. my emotional life, anyway. Yeah, so value right. Values don't ever arrive. There's really nothing there to fix, is there? It's just more about taking steps. Yeah, exactly. You know, so we've talked a lot about you know, exploring our relationship with all the stuff that goes on inside our minds when we're struggling with stuff. Um, You've touched Mm -hmm. upon the actions we can take during the day, you know, that just help us live a life that's aligned with our values or just keep us on that toward side of the road rather than the away side of the road. So we move toward the kind of life we want to live even when we're struggling. Um, One thing we haven't really touched upon was the things we can do at night, um, you know, any changes we can make there that can't make sleep happen because we just can't control sleep, but that can just help prevent us from training our brain that wakefulness is this big physical threat that we have to be protected from because then the brain has to be alert to try and protect us from. So typically we'll do things like spend less time in bed, you know, at night if we're spending a lot of time awake at night. Um, so we give ourselves like an earliest possible bedtime, final out of bedtime in the morning. And it also helps prevent us from that temptation of trying to chase sleep, you know? So if we have a Mm. difficult night, we won't then go to bed a lot earlier the next night or stay in bed a lot later the next morning and kind of perpetuate this ongoing sleep disruption. And doing things like just doing something more enjoyable if being awake at night doesn't feel good. Like why endure Mm. that? Let's just do something else that makes Mm. wakefulness more pleasant. Um, And I think trying to recall when we were working together, those were like the two main changes that you were implementing when we were working together, like that Mm. sleep window, new Mm. routine there, and doing something more enjoyable when wakefulness didn't feel good. Um, Mm. Looking back on that, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to make those changes, like any kind of struggles or difficulties you had and Mm. how you feel they might have been helpful now that you can look back in um, and reflect back on this? Mm. With the sleep window, it was very helpful because it really focused me on trying to stay awake as opposed to trying to get to sleep. It's hard to explain that reframing, that shifting, but I, I found that structure, it was a structure and all I had to do was just live by it. I didn't have to think it. I didn't have to kind of calculate anything. Oh, I just had, it's just an action. I just had to stay awake. Um, so that was helpful. It was really, really helpful. And, uh, um, and slowly that widened and, uh, and then the night time, the time that I went to bed became more flexible just around, you know, not looking at the clock, but just gauging my sleep levels. Do I feel sleepy time? Only going to bed if I felt sleepy. It, it just took a lot of pressure away. The thing that yeah. really builds up before bed is pressure, expectation, yeah. weight of pressure, about performance, you know, performance anxiety, isn't it really in a way? Like, yeah. So the sleep window was a really, really valuable thing. And then, um, yeah, and then, and of course, the thing that I chose to do in that period 
before bed was to kind of read a book, you know, which made me feel even sleepier um, and to do it on the couch. And then I found myself, you know, no, I've got to sit up and read. No, 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 I think I'll just lie down. I think I'll just lie down and, and read. And, of course, inevitably I fall asleep, right? My brain was finding all these ways to trick me, to get me to kind of lay down. All of a sudden it became, no, I'm going to find ways to make you sleep. And, uh, and that was a, uh, you know, became another struggle for me in a way. I kind of, the same struggle mentality was kind of there and I kind of, you know, initially really worried. Oh my God, but I fell asleep at 9.30, but I was going to stay up wait midnight. Uh, so then it would kind of uh, arc up, my thoughts would arc up again. Uh, but over time, and that's the thing, it's about patience in a way, isn't it? Just allowing, uh, allowing the program just, work along the program so i found i found you know not looking at the clock um yeah watching tv or you know doing things that were enjoyable in the night and just going okay it's okay i can i can do that and i can be okay with that and i can try and encourage myself to enjoy it uh and not be so worried about the fact that i'm up and it's midnight and or it's two in the morning and i'm watching something on tv that i just you know wouldn't be normally doesn't matter you know just enjoy it just try and go along with it and just see where it goes take the pressure yeah so that that was yeah. very very helpful those two things definitely yeah yeah and then and it comes and, and they made me see that i i do try and force sleep i was really actively trying to force sleep to happen and earplugs yeah. in you know try and block out all the noise because I can't sleep if there's going to be noise, you know, and, and so, but I can't control the external environment, right? But focusing on that and, and uh, you know, so I realised at some point that that's all pretty futile. Yeah, exactly. And, and it does come down to that sense of control, right? It makes sense that we want to control sleep or avoid, yeah. be able to avoid wakefulness because it doesn't feel good. Um, yes. But unfortunately, we can't. But what we can control are our actions. And it's our actions that can create good conditions for sleep or that can make conditions less favorable for sleep. And it's always our actions that determine the kind of life we want to live. Um, and it's, it's, it's always funny, you know, that when we change maybe how much time we allot for sleep from night to night, it becomes this thing where instead of really trying to sleep, all of a sudden we find ourselves really trying to stay awake. And just that mm. shift can be really interesting because then a lot of clients I work with, suddenly they start to feel that wrong, strong sense of sleepiness again, rather than fatigue. Um, and often what else happens is when we find that we're trying to stay awake, we start to feel really sleepy because we're not trying, you know, we get that realization that, oh, maybe it's because I've been trying so hard to make mm. sleep happen. That's mm. been the obstacle there. So it, mm. sometimes that recognition can make it a little bit easier for us to move away from the stuff that we can't control and just onto the stuff we can control. Yeah, um, that's right. And, it becomes a slightly different preoccupation for a while there, you know, trying yeah. to yeah. And, uh, and it just, it does, it takes off some of that emphasis on trying to get to sleep, which I can see now is, yeah, it's really, uh, it's, it's, it, it's pretty deeply wide. I mean, it's still there. Yeah. For me, that, that urge to, to, to want to force sleep, make it happen. Mm -hmm. But you said, I think just then before, you know, it's about the relationship you have with the way you feel and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and your behaviors and and so i guess it's just a different way of kind of allowing for that uh, understanding that you know yeah of course sleep is wired into us and the desire to sleep is wired into us um so therefore of course i'm going to be focused a little bit on you know times when i am sleep deprived or haven't had enough sleep at least uh, underslept um so, yeah, I, I thought the window was just a stroke of genius. It was really, really helpful. Yeah. And I still have it. You know, I, I get up at five every morning and I get up, you know, and that was the other thing. He said, you know, get up at the same time and do get outside, do some exercise, you know, get wake your body up and, and get into your body, become aware of your body. Uh, and that's what I did, you know, and, and still to this day, I get up at five. What I do in the morning is different, changes over time. But at the moment I get up, I go to the gym um what time i go to bed doesn't really matter to me so much anymore but i'm always up at that five in the morning i'm always out the door down down to the gym being active and going to work 
whether I get the sleep I need or not. And, you know, um, so that was also a part of it, right? It, it's just that commitment to just yes. doing those things, holding that line, regardless of what happens. Yeah, and I love the I love the way I just love that word that you use commitment because it is a commitment, you know, because it's difficult, especially at first, especially in the short term. It is really difficult to do things that are important to us when we're really struggling, when we've had really difficult mm -hmm. nights, when we've got a lot of anxiety or stress or worry. It can feel very overwhelming, and it is difficult to commit to doing mm -hmm. things that are still important to us, even with all that struggle going on, um, mm. and to commit to behaviors that can help. They, they can't help make sleep happen, but they can help create better conditions for sleep. You know, like getting out of bed at a reasonably consistent time in the mornings can be so helpful. You know, just be, if nothing else, it just prevents us from chasing sleep and just reinforcing to the brain that wakefulness is this physical threat that must be avoided at all costs. You must be alert against wakefulness mm -hmm. to protect me from wakefulness. Um, and like you touched upon right really early on in this conversation, it's not unusual for things to feel worse, to feel more difficult when you step out of that comfort zone and make these changes um, for your sleep to get worse in the short term, you know, and that's often a time when everything's screaming at you to just go back into your safety zone, you know, to go mm -hmm. back to the way things were, but the way things were weren't, weren't really helpful either. Um, we, mm -hmm. we really do have to put in a lot of commitment to make some changes um, and to to be open and curious to mm. exploring new ways of thinking, um, really to put this behind us. I think that's what it comes down to. Mm. And it does feel like breaking into a new space. I mean, you know, sleep diaries and, and sleep windows. And I mean, I knew about sleep hygiene and I, I read books, but I didn't really have anyone like you, I'd never come across a course where you could just kind of like engage with someone about it, you know, send off the diaries, get some feedback, have a discussion and have these messages and this education kind of reiterated and, 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 and learn to apply something. So it did feel like a new space. And in a way, a new space is a chance to reset, isn't it? You know, not that I kind of would have necessarily seen it like that at the time. I was just more probably just desperate. And, I, and my commitment came from just kind of, not having alternative, not really having another option, having nothing to lose, really, uh, and having everything to gain and, 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 and wanting so much to be well and feel good. And, uh, and, you know, that was enough to start. But having someone there, having a certain level of accountability, like, you know, committing, but also, right, I'm going to see this through and, yeah, I've got to fill out these diaries and I'm going to send these in and I've got to read the email feedback and, you know, implement that. And that level of um, buy-in, so to speak, you know, having that level of accountability, someone there, you, Martin, waiting to receive those sleep diaries, going through the, the content each week. You know, I mean, it was just helpful as well to have that weekly structure to kind of keep me committed to keep me accountable to, you know, on some level, to myself. Yeah. That I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it does get it does it does often get more difficult in the short term, yeah, before it gets before it gets better. And often progress isn't linear, you know, it's not like every week gets better and better and better, although that can happen. For most people there's ups and downs along the way as well. Um again, mm. it's all stuff that's out of our control. We can only control our actions. We can control our actions on you know, on the journey to the outcome. We can't control the outcome itself. Um what what would you say an average night is like for you these days, Nick? Good enough. Yeah. Uh, I always generally get pretty adequate sleep, but not always. Not always. But I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. It doesn't really loom. It's not the specter. Sleep's not the specter that it was. It's just something that I need. It's a part of my, you know, day. It's a part of my well-being. And um, 
Uh, and if I get five, six hours, you know, like last night, you know, yeah, I probably got about six hours sleep. Feel good. It's fine. Yeah. It's not something I have to kind of really spend too much mental energy on anymore. Yeah. But I do at times, for sure. Still have all of those kinds of, you know, um, thought patterns and conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I guess the change is just your relationship with them, right? And yeah. we, I, I, it, sometimes I refer to it as like psychological flexibility. You know, we just become more mm. flexible in how we choose to respond to them. Um, when we're really trapped in the struggle, um, our, our response is try and push them away, trying to fight them, avoid them. Um, and they can really influence our behaviors. Um, whereas when we get to that stage, like talking to you, where you know, insomnia is just in the background now, you know, it's like kind of in our past. Um, we still struggle every now and then because we're human beings. But what's really changed is our relationship with sleep, with wakefulness, and with thoughts, feelings, emotions. And I think your, uh, you know, your message in, in, in the course is always to, to normalize, isn't it? To normalize sleep as not necessarily being something that we all experience the same way the same time in the same periods of our lives and 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 in comparison to each other and you know we all have some sense of an ideal but that's what it is isn't it it's an ideal Uh, and there are things that we can do that are either going to support sleep or you know not help and uh and so it's about learning about what's supportive and uh And, and and putting your energy into that because that's the things that you can do. So I, I, I like it. It's a simple message, and um, and in a way, it's a very simple kind of thing to understand. Not so easy to put it into practice, but that's the art of it, isn't it? That's why we, that's why we do the programs. That's why we learn, uh, and we figure it out. Uh, so it's yeah, I, I, I found it really good, and I, and I guess that's what I would say to people really is this that. You know, just to stay connected to what's important to you and, and, and persist. That's one of the values, really, that keeps us going, doesn't it? You know, through all of this is that, that, that capacity to persist and to hold it, hold on to that is, is important yeah. because it's, it's hard to trust. Sometimes it's just really hard to trust. You can say all the things under the sun, Martin, but uh, it, it, you, you have to go through the program and you have to kind of commit and you have to try it and you have to apply it and you have to do it for yourself and you have to find it. Uh, that's where the confidence comes, right? So the, the, yeah. the confidence is built upon that effort and, and it's yeah. there. So I guess looking back now, I don't know how long it's been since I finished the program. I'm really not aware, but uh, it's been some months now, hasn't it? Maybe a year yeah. even. Um, and looking back, I, I, you know, I, I could really just encourage people to use that word curiosity, you know, be curious about it, give it a go. Just if you can't trust it, don't, don't, you don't need to, you just need to go through the program and be open to learning and just trying things out and experimenting. Um, it's that mindset, isn't it, really, that you can kind of bring in to the program. Thanks again, Nick, for all the time you've taken to come onto the episode and just talk about your experience. I know that a lot of people are going to be finding this really helpful um, to hear your story in your own words, and I think they're going to really identify with a lot of what you've said as well. Um, but i got just one last question for you um, that I think would be... Uh, just the icing on the cake for everyone listening, and it's this. If someone with chronic insomnia is listening and feels as though they've tried everything, that they're beyond help, that they just can't do anything to improve their sleep, what would you tell them? You see, the dilemma is, isn't it, that, that, that you're faced with something that, that kind of is inside of you and there's no real easy escape because uh, you keep coming back to yourself at the end of the day and you know and what does it mean to give up and not do anything and you, you, we can do that but we, we can't really leave the situation so at the end of the day you know we, we still have to keep taking those steps and 
I would just encourage people just to keep that in mind that even though we can't trust necessarily that by doing the program we're going to get to what we ideally want for ourselves like you say values are never something that you you kind of necessarily ever reach the end of but we can always be taking steps towards that and i think there's nothing in this program that takes me away from what's important for me. Everything in the program really kind of emphasizes and puts me in touch with what's important to me. So therefore, it's I'm never going to be harmed by this. So I would suggest to people to please just give things a try, stay open, stay curious, um, and and find what it is that will enable you to commit to this next six, eight weeks. Um, and then you know, see where see where one gets to. It's a it's a it's a it's a uh, it's a bit of an unknown process, isn't it? But we it's about accepting to some degree that that's just the nature of where we are, and that's just what we found ourselves doing. So I would just encourage people not to give up, and I would encourage people to you know stay stay in touch with what's important to them, and. Um, and hopefully that this program is one of those steps for them because there'll be other steps to take too. Mm. How's that? That's great. That's perfect, Nick. I think that's a great note to end on. So thank you again so much for taking the time to come on to the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome, Martin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Insomnia Coach podcast. If you're ready to move away from struggling with insomnia and toward living the life you want to live, I would love to help. You can get started right now by enrolling in my online course or you can book my phone coaching package. My online course runs for six weeks. It will help you make changes that can create better conditions for sleep. It will help you identify and get rid of any behaviors that might be making sleep more difficult and it will help you respond to insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it in a more workable way. You can work through the course in two ways. You can choose the self-coaching option and work through it by yourself with the support of an online forum that is available only to clients or you can choose to add one-on-one email coaching and work through the course with me by your side. With the one-on-one coaching option, you get unlimited email access to me for eight weeks, starting from the day you enroll. Anytime you have a question or concern, anytime you're unsure about anything, anytime you want to focus on the challenges you face or any difficulties that show up, you can email me and I will be there to coach and support you. With the phone coaching package, we start with a one hour call, voice only or video, your choice, and come up with an initial two week plan that will help you create better conditions for sleep and practice moving away from struggling with insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it. You get unlimited email access to me for two weeks after the call and a half hour follow-up call at the end of the two weeks. You can book the phone coaching package at insomniacoach.com forward slash phone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Insomnia Coach podcast. I'm Martin Reed, and as always, I'd like to leave you with this important reminder. You can sleep.